are lit up here. Christian, what's up, bud? How you doing? Good, man. It's good to be back. We've, I know you've been away for about a week. Yep. Traveling. Yep. I have you back in town. I am back. Uh, it is snowing, sleeting, and hailing here in our hometown of Redding, California. Which we gotta get like one. We get like one, like literal snow day a year. We do. And this is the day. Yeah, yeah. And it, ne- it never sticks. Now, 24 hours ago, I was driving through a literal snowstorm in the middle of Arizona, and it was crazy, Uh, but I am back, and it is good to be back, it's good to be back on the pod, episode 14 today, and there's been some drama, there's been some drama in our (laughs) lives. Um, but we are back. Booking confirmed. If, if your uh, life in my life, I, I would say in in yes, in my life. Um, I'm sailing, bro, dude. Well, you you have you have a couple big milestones coming up for yourself. But you just went through a sprint uh, to get your uh, your new <laughs> your new place up and running. We'll talk about it in a little while. But if you're new to booking confirmed, five star business practices for short term rental operators. Uh, we uh, we talk about things that are interesting to us, and that's pretty much it. Uh, we are both investors. We're both business owners. Uh, we both had a long uh, and winding road to become our own bosses, and uh, and real estate was part of that, and not just real estate, but short-term rental operating. Uh, so welcome. If this is your first time, great to have you, Christian. Any, any other thing else to open before we jump into our topics? No, man. Let's dive in. I want to hear. I want to hear your story firsthand. I mean, oh, I know man. a bit of it, but oh, but that's... there was a just a preface. Yeah. This. Yeah. Set it up. Yeah. Um, in the neighborhood that, that I live in yep. and you have one of your short-term rentals in correct on a couple streets on that neighborhood, there was a coordinated yep. attack, Yep, attack, not of people, of heist. homes heist. and cars. Yeah. And there was like, I don't know how many cars actually got broken into that night. So there was, there was reported on the uh, Facebook page about 15 break-ins, either of cars or garages. Um, mine was definitely the worst of all of it. And, yeah. and, and so just to tee it up, like, you know, we had, we had another friend that got her car broken into yep. and, you know, some With, stuff stolen, mm-hmm. but you had, so I, I had, I had probably the most, one of the most interesting things. And, and you know, when, I don't know if you've ever had a, someone break into your car, you, you, you kind of walk, you walk up to something you don't expect and it takes your brain a little while to kind of piece together, like something's different, and then something's not right. I've had a bear break into my car before. I we were at your cabin and we saw a bear <laughs> in our friend's car, in our yeah. friend's van, and oh, I was yeah. the one that found it, and that was also crazy. It was that same friend who oh, we, yeah. found, we found her sun, stolen sunglasses from her car in my rental property's bathroom. Oh. Yeah, yeah, right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, so, so, I mean, to to set up the stage, Reading, I wouldn't say we have a homeless problem, but we have homeless living around. Uh, we have a pretty mild climate. It's hot in it's hot in the uh, in the summertime. It's not too cool right about now. But there are homeless people around where we live. Um, not necessarily bad. A lot of petty crime, but nothing on, on a scale like we saw. And so to set it up, I was kind of. Um, single parenting it up. So my wife was actually out of town. She was, she was down in Southern California. So I was single dadding it. Fun dad time, fun dad week. And, uh, and so I had some, some minor projects I was finishing up the week before I literally got both my short-term rental permit from the city of Reading 
And I also doubled up and got my hosted homestay for my primary just as a, a matter of course. But I literally got that done the week before. So like the, the weekend before, Saturday and Sunday, I was just going over there to do minor stuff like sheets and prep. It, it was staged to list and get renters in there. I've now paid my second mortgage payment on the place without any renters because the first month was held up by the city. And now this is going to hold up my almost my second month of getting this thing rented. Mm. So for, as far as my business planning is concerned, it's absolute shit, right? As far as my business plan is concerned. But that's why you have margin built into your budgets. That's why you have savings. That's why you have an investment fund for things that go wrong. And, and it, this is so. This is a good little quick tip moment yeah. when you're building out your pro forma mm -hmm. for your short term rental. You need to calculate for holding costs. Yep. So your holding cost is essentially from the time you purchase the property, how long you think it's going to take until you get your first tenant in there. Yep. And that could be things like getting your permit. If that could, if you, if based off your jurisdiction, that could take some time. Yep. Or if you're doing some remodeling or even just staging furniture. I mean, Dennis can tell you from his experience, like getting a house or even dialed. like a single unit yeah. dialed uh -huh. from a furnishing standpoint. Yeah. That's a push. It's a problem. You know? And you can have killer uh, killer photographs. You can hire a really talented photographer that makes your place that's only average look great. Sure. But when people step in for the first time and the lighting's not right, and they have an expectation based off what you put out there. right? So it's only on you as a short-term rental operator to set the expectation, which we talked about expectation setting in other podcasts. Like, you only get one shot to a, for a first impression. I was just vacationing in Arizona. I stayed at three Airbnbs. The first one, the pictures way oversold the place. <laughs> way oversold this place. In what way? In what way? So, so like they, so it was, it was in the ghetto of Phoenix, right? They didn't tell you that. They didn't tell me. They didn't tell me where okay. it was. Now yeah. it was beside a freeway, but there's a big wall that I didn't hear the freeway. But the the actual surrounding houses, it was the nicest. I'll say it nicely. It was the nicest property by far. In, in the neighborhood, and that's not saying a lot. Sounds like a great buy. <laughs> Sounds like a great buy, which goes into your back to your holding co cost conversation of how much it's going to cost me before I can get it rented. Usually that delay has to do with reno. Usually that the day with going from someone else thought this was passable or acceptable, but it's not going to meet your standards of your level of excellence. Now, hopefully it does. Then the project that, that we're talking about today it did a, it did 85% of the reno before I bought it, which is one of the reasons why I bought it at the yeah, deal that I did, shit. right? And so, um, yeah, the, the place in Phoenix, it actually said on the listing, it said max four people. It did not say that it sleeps four people. And in the mm. pictures, it had a one bedroom, one bath with a king size bed and a couch in the living room. It did not say that couch was not a pullout. So they, but it didn't say that it was. It didn't say that it was, but it said it slept for, and it only showed one bed and no, one couch. Said, did it say it slept for? No, it said it, it said the unit is a max four people. It didn't say it sleeps. For. It didn't say it sleeps for, right? Huh. And so, so there's, there's, so there's an assumption there that I made of like, oh, uh, that's pretty standard. You have a fold out couch. Yeah. And so I go in there, and the place is cool. It's technically a back house. They cut a house in half and, and made a back house. And the backyard is cool. Fake grass, tile, pool, volleyball court. Uh, in the very back of the yard, they actually sectioned it off and put an airstream. So the front house, a back house, and an airstream on the same property. I like these guys. They're Hustlers. cool. They're cool. I mean, I like the from. I can't fault the hustle, right? I can't as yeah. a short-term operator. But as but like they painted old cabinets blue. They have some tile, but it the what they invested in is deteriorating quickly. I'll say it mm -hmm. that way. 
And so I get in there 10 o'clock at night driving, you know, road tripping out there with my family. I get in there and there's only one bed and a couch and I got two daughters mm. and I only got one bed for them. And I'm like, I got to figure out a way so one of these kids ain't sleeping with me. This is gonna, this is not going to be a fun couple days. And so at the back of the property, there's a shed, which I thought was a pool house. And I'm like, maybe they there maybe that's a bedroom. Maybe that that is how they sleep before. Turns out it's just a tool shed. But inside the tool shed, there's all this busted up furniture. And so <laughs> there was piled up there. There was a, a futon with only three legs. But the futon looked nice. It looked like a solid. It just had three legs. So... I got resourceful. I unscrewed the oh, other three legs <laughs> yeah. and I carried it into it and I put fresh sheets on it and I had two beds in the living room. Nice. All right? and, and, and of course, I messaged the host. I said, hey, this is my expectation. Uh, this is what I did just so you know because they had a ring camera on it so they would know. So just open communication. But there was food left in the fridge. There was trash on the oh, patio. Weird. There was trash in the pool. And I'm like, I took a picture of everything, sent it to them. I haven't reviewed them yet, and it's a standoff to see who's going to review who, for, who first. That's sure. what's going to happen right now. Yeah. So, uh, so I was definitely felt a little o- oversold. But back to the presentation of your own property is like you have to stand by the quality of the product that you're putting on the market, and you do a good job. You have you have a method, you have a process, and you have a style that people like, right? And that has proven out in your performa and also your cost models and also what you what you make off it, right? So, talk to me a little about your style choices in, in the in the product you're putting out there and the returns that you get off of your style. Yeah, I think it's important and and I'm a big proponent of understanding the the types of renters that are coming to your market. Know your market. And what they're looking for. Know your customer, yep. So so if you know for me like particularly up in like Mount Shasta they are coming to Mount Shasta, McLeod. They are coming to these areas, and they want to feel like they're in a cabin. Yeah, for sure. They want to feel like they're in a cabin. Now, I can make that a nice cabin. I can make it more of a you know mountain moderny cabin. It doesn't mean they don't want it clean. Yeah, and they don't want like tile and dialed in. Yep. But you also have to be in understanding your market. It's not just what they want, but it's also what can they afford. Yeah, is a big understanding. So if you're in a market, where was this place you were at? It was outside of, uh, it was in between Tempe and Mesa, Arizona. Okay, so that area in Phoenix, there is quite, there can be quite a bit of wealth. Yep. So you could do something a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. But in in Mount Shasta, there's just not enough, like, uh, of extremely wealthy guests coming mm-hmm. in order to support a thousand dollar a night room. Yep. So if I invest and go super high end on all my finishings. And I create this amazing place, but in order to make this thing pencil for me, I have to charge a thousand dollars a night. That's a terrible idea. It's a bad investment. In Mount Shasta. Yeah. You know, maybe in Phoenix. Or Indian Wells or Palm Springs. There's a lot of good places. There's enough people coming from LA or coming from Phoenix Mm -hmm. or, you know, coming to Phoenix for a ton of reasons because it's a major city that there's enough money coming there that people can afford consistently a thousand dollar a night room. Yep. But I've got to keep my rooms, you know, in the hundred to two hundred dollar range mm-hmm. a night, because that's what our market can justify, yeah. but support, yeah, yeah, and still give me the return I want. Yep. So that means I'm not going to have the most amazing place.
create a budget based off the performance and say, hey, I want to make whatever this percentage is. You know, I want to make, in order to make this worth it for you, I want to make, say, a 30% cash on cash revest, cash on cash return yep. on this investment. Well, you can easily figure out based off the purchase price, based off the rent, based off the reno, you know, what your operations are going to be and what you think, you know, based off the pro forma of, of comps of like what your gross income can be. Yep what that number needs to be yeah, and what you can afford to spend. And you make the best decisions with what you can. And, and I mean, I think you make a really good point when you say, Hey, this thing is falling apart. Like I'm a huge proponent now and I wasn't always this way, yeah. but getting deeper into the game, like durability is key. Mm-hmm. Like I just went and picked up from a friend of ours who's moving out of town and, you know, selling her house. She's like, Hey, do you want this piece of furniture? I'm like, send it to me. It was a solid wood dresser. Is yeah. it exactly my style? Yeah. No. But like we talked about on other podcasts, this thing is durable. Dude. You know? They don't make it It's going to hold too. up. Right. It's solid oak. Yeah. It's not going to break. Some yeah. kid's going to jump on it. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I can incorporate that into a unit. Yeah. Easy. I'll take it. Sand you know? it down. Stain it. Make it as, as good as it's going to be because you can have exceptions to the rule when it comes to your style. Sure. So, so it doesn't feel antique or um, matronly, I believe is the word that I would say, right? No, yeah. no, no doilies or plastic on the furniture. But you can have a modern space with elements of traditional, of elements of East Coast, of elements of, uh, I don't know, whatever. Like, but yeah. it, it, without, without it redefining the space itself. And without you having to break the bank to go get it. That's it's right. like I didn't have to go buy this like solid piece of restoration hardware and, oh, yeah. and spend a thousand bucks on it. Totally. I got it for zero dollars. Yeah. And zero, yeah. zero dollars with some with a little bit of hard work and some stain goes a long way. I mean, the thing was heavy. I'll give you that. I mean, me and Angela, my ops manager. I mean, that thing was a beast. I mean, you, but, you've, but had, we, you've had some of the most he- heaviest furniture of anyone I've ever <laughs> met in my life. Between your wardrobes and your concrete tables, oh, you're concrete crazy, table bro. Nuts. You're crazy. But um, but yeah, it's a great point, and it, it's definitely something you know you you really want to consider. And, and I don't fault these guys. I mean, you know. You know, maybe they are making a killer return yeah. on their investment. And even if, like, even say you get a couple bad reviews yeah. and say on, you know, the Airbnb scale, you're down in the, you know, 4.5, which yeah. is pretty low mm-hmm. for an Airbnb property. But if you're still making a, a significant return, doesn't matter. Like, hey, yeah. That's okay. Like, yep. and, and, and in some ways, I almost applaud them for that. If they're if they if they understand and are consciously making these decisions, yeah, they're just like, hey, this works at this price point. I get guests. Are they slightly? They book. Are they slightly under impressed with my space? Sure. Yeah. But I'm still booking even with their reviews. You know. I I, I mean, day day one was uh, you know the trash and there's food in the fridge. Night two, like a, a curtain fell off the wall, like like like, the dry, <laughs> like it came the drywall, the drywall, the drywall, uh, and the curtain rod just fell down. Like it just sounds like bad installation. It, it, it sound it sound it looked like, like get shoddy. Some, get some better anchors. It, it looked it looked like a good college trying your friends investing yeah. in property together and like give it a weekend and let's go. Right? And maybe that, that's what they did. And know? maybe that's what they did. So I don't I don't fault them. It was just a lot of quirky stuff that I'm like. All right, noted. Good, good to know. Well, often what happens, particularly in this you know short term rental game, is somebody who's got a good eye for things. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like a designer type. Yeah. They're like, oh, I could do this, but they have no building skills. Yeah, for sure. So then they just throw stuff up. They get some good picks because yeah. they're kind of in the designer space. They can yeah. make the space look really good. 
maybe maybe you know craft the right you know a narrative around the space. Yeah. But then when you actually get there, you're like, you didn't even know how to hang up a. Yeah, it, it was. Curtain rod, yeah, it was. It was interesting. You know? Now, one thing I do, I, which I'll always say, is invest in good mattresses. All right, mm. you're, you're going there and, and you need to sleep, whether you're hungover or you're there with your family. Like, I travel for business for the last 15 years, and when I got a shitty, springy mattress after about 14 days on the uh, 14 hours on the road, I was pissed. I was mm. absolutely pissed. But we had a good mattress, good king size mattress at the place, so all was well. And I'm not going to fault them for being sales guys, right? But that being said, I don't want to I don't want to take that into my product that I'm putting on the market, because the higher end you go, the more expensive it is, and oftentimes the more delays you are going to take, or what mortgage payments you're going to take as a hit before you can get it listed and on online, right? Yeah. So back to the uh, the coordinated heist of this neighborhood. Um, my wife's out of town. And so I go, I go over there lastly, I think on a Sunday, Sunday night, I was over there installing something or putting some, putting some putting curtains up. And this heist either happened to a Monday night or early morning, Tuesday, early morning in the middle of the night. So did you have your place fully dialed? Like, yeah. were you ready to take runners? Like you had it all staged and ready to go? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like bunk bed was made. Beds were made. My oh, daughters right. got into it. Right. Yeah. I got into it. Right. And, and so it either happened... Tuesday night or early Tuesday morning, or, or I found it Wednesday afternoon. When, late Wednesday afternoon, I found it. Uh, actually, Thursday afternoon, I found it. So there's a chance that it was just op- wide open doors for two days. Nobody day, told you? or like, No one told me. And, and right now, I, I mean, we I, knew the day, the day that it happened. I, so I think I, my hope that I it mean, w- the messages went around the neighborhood. Well, like, my, hey, there's, you know, a bunch of cars got broken in. We're like, it didn't hit our part of the neighborhood. My, my hope is that it was on a Tuesday night. And my, it hit the, it my, hit the, my, it hit the my, four part my, of the my, neighborhood. Yeah, it hit, hit the front half of the most expensive neighborhood in town, which is my <laughs> half, apparently. And so I, so ironically is I, at my main house, I have an ADU downstairs in the basement. I had, again... Wipe out of town, two two kids wanting to do fun shit, and my hot water heater completely fails. And so it makes sense, you know, uh, renters going up, they want hot water. And so I get my handyman over there, which, be on good terms with a couple people. Your babysitters, your handymen, your best contractors, right? Those are people you need to be on good terms with always, because you never know when you're going to need them to save your ass. And so I called my handyman. Uh, and he was able to come and address the hot water heater at the main house so my renter could have hot water within a 12-hour period. We, we addressed it, we replaced it, and we got it hooked back up. During that time, though, my, my, my thought was easy. It was like, all right, it's a, I think it's a Tuesday. No, it must have been a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And I said, okay, renter. I went to my renter. I said, hey, the hot water's out. Not a problem. I actually have a rental a street over that's ready, it's dialed in, you, if you need to take a shower, if you need hot water, just go over there. Not knowing that at that same time, there was a very big mess <laughs> happening, had already happened at that house. So I'm very thankful that my rent, we addressed it in, in time, that my current renter and my AD at my main house didn't go to the other house and find a very problematic situation. They'll say it that way. Sure. Um, so that happened. So hot water, hot water happened on a, 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 a either a Wednesday and on Thursday. I think I I found it. I pull up with my girls to the house, just dropping something off. The front door's wide open. 
I walk in to the front door and I look into the kitchen, which there's two big bay windows in the dining room. When you walk into the living room, you turn left into the dining room, two big bay windows, and it's kind of a horseshoe back into the kitchen. And there's glass all over the, the dining room table and all over the floor. And I just stop and I look closer because from the street, the, 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 the laundry light, which I leave on, was on the whole time. But the front door was wide open. I walk in and I, I walk in closer. There's not only glass all over the place, but there's blood on the, on, on, uh, of the window seal. And I've noticed there's a trail of blood throughout the house. And so I, I don't know what's happening, but I kind of have this moment where I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Where am I? Where am I? I feel like I'm in Bizarro World right now in my own house. And so I, I walk into it and I just freeze. And I notice that the fr- not only was the front door open, but the porch back porch door was open. And uh, the, uh, the French doors and the master, everything was open. And the backlights of the back house were, were, all, on, were all on. So I quickly... Assess the situation, which, again, a big bay window completely blown out, blood throughout the house, and I go and lock the doors that I can, and I I usually, in a break-in, I would just start cleaning up, I started dressing, but because there was blood, I didn't know, one, was there people in the house still? Was this a crime scene? How do you clean up blood versus, I mean, I know how to clean up regular shit, but, like, blood is a different game that I just have never experienced before, so I didn't do anything Besides, lock the doors. Now, locking the doors doesn't do, doesn't do very good because of a blown out window. Um, but I go throughout the house, and it looks like they to to get into the window that they jumped into, break into the back like window on the back door. But they threw it, so they must have been high out of their freaking mind. I don't know what they were doing, but they broke into the biggest, thickest glass they could. They jumped over a gap, which is the stairwell up to the window, jumped over the gap to get into the window, cut themselves pretty pretty badly, and then proceeded to do a lot of weird shit in the house. Not only try to clean up the blood by going to the bathroom, they might have taken a shower in both the showers. They used the they used the towels in the in the hallway closet in the in the both bathrooms to clean up after themselves or try to address this wound. I look into the first bedroom and the and the full mattress that's on the bedroom is totally missing. There's no there's no there's no mattress there. And also I left cuz I brought my girls over on Sunday to clean off. We're doing some last minute cleaning off of like the sofa, so there's a big cushion on the sofa that we were cleaning off. The sofa's missing too. The sofa couch cushion's missing. And I know that cuz I left it in the middle of the dining room floor cuz they were cleaning it. So I go and I assess like there's no one here that I can see but there's blood all over the place. I need to call the police. And so I, I call the police. They didn't show up for hours, but I technically already cleared it. Um, while I was waiting for the police, I kept poking around my own house. And I, I went into the master closet, which is a walk-in closet. And I looked up and they had shoved the big couch cushion, which is kind of like a little mattress. They shoved it up into the crawl space, into the ceiling. And they, there was a pillow up there, and there was a big, almost like they were hiding. Uh, they were they were hiding or going to sleep up in the rafters for some unknown reason. Outside of the master bedroom, outside of the the, uh, the French doors, 
on the patio, between the patio spans, the, the master bedroom, French doors into the, the back of the kitchen, there was an Ikea bag, my Ikea bag, full of my shit on the back patio. So they didn't steal anything, probably because they were bleeding profusely out of their body, needing medical attention. But I, I, I continued to look around the property, and I went to my shed. You know that shed you want to buy? Mm-hmm. You're not going to buy it, but I do want that fountain. I think I can have some use for that fountain. <laughs> I go in, and I'm like, well, they're weird. I'm going to go check the shed. And I, I was kind of like hesitant because I'm like, is Are there they? someone in there? <laughs> like, what's happening? So so the, the hypotho- hypothesis I have is that they were doing a number of, of, of thefts throughout the neighborhood, and if there was police activity in the neighborhood, they could have been using my house as a hideout yeah. for the rest of the neighbor until it cooled down. Turns out I go into the shed and my full mattress in the bunk bed is in the is in the shed. So I I didn't I didn't uh, find a uh, a homeless gangbang thankfully, um, but I did find a lot of weird shit in my own house. The police wound up coming around nine fifteen or so. And, uh, and it was cool. It was, it was cool because I got a chance to interact with my local police officers. Um, I didn't, I, I called them because there was blood. That was the main thing. I tipped them off and I'm like, Hey, and it wasn't an active crime scene, but I didn't know if anyone was still in the house. I didn't yeah. know. So I'm like, Hey, can you come here? It might be active. We don't know. Um, they went and cleared the house and did the whole, like, you know, uh, Mission Impossible, like Mission Impossible, like, like secret agent, like there's like three coming of them. around corners, coming around corners, like with guns, with guns blazing, like you know, clear, 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 which was cool to like see from my own living room. You're like, dude, I've walked this house. Uh, well, I didn't tell, I didn't tell them, I didn't tell them I cleared it, but I'm like, hey, can you get up in the rafters and see if there's anyone up there? Like, I, I sent them there, but it was cool to see them kind of clear the house, and then also in the back bedroom, uh, just as far as like you know, was cool to to notice. In the back bedroom, there was a 12-foot American flag that was on the wall just kind of as a, as a decor piece. And whoever broke in ripped it down. And when I, when I walked the house again after they left, they actually picked up the flag and rehung it up just as a show of honor to our, our nation, which I'm like, that's cool. I respect that. I can respect A little respect blood that. on it. Yeah, a little, little blood never <laughs> that, hurt. That no just one. adds to the These colors don't run, some shit like that, right? That's what I was doing. I'm like a little national pride. I'm like, but, but I mean... I, I usually don't tr- I, I try and I had to kind of level set my emotions because my girls were with me like they were with me when I found it and I'd be like hey change of plans I was planning on taking them bowling that night they were super bummed that we didn't get to go bowling because <laughs> then someone uh, broke into our house so uh, I had to buy them frozen yogurt or something I don't know what I had to do but but yeah so uh, had to deal with this and my mind immediately there is a you know, as a short term rental operator. Whenever you have, even though we're in the business of letting people into our spaces, when when there's a difference between you know you happening to life, like you taking command and control and making um, decisions that you think are going to be profitable or best for your your you or your family's well-being, and then kind of life crashing in on you, right? Sure. And so there's a difference in in that emotional state, and having that happen. Um, I hadn't felt it in a long time, but there is, there is a sense of not necessarily trauma, but definitely an intrusion on your space. Um, and so I called my handyman who saved my ass the day before with a hot water heater. Immediately the next day I had him, um, board up a window and install security cameras in the, in the rental property. So who was that? Was that, uh, this is Mr. Matt. Okay, a different guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was it was it was Matt. It was it was oh, okay. yeah. Same, same. You're you're same yeah. handyman you, you use as well. So you you got some security cameras. Yeah, 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 
Yeah, so I invested in a, a ring. Have you used any before? No, no. I had, I didn't show, so I chose uh so he he had used ring in the past. Sure. Ring for the front porch and then um and then around the house on three sides I put motion sensing lights, floodlights as well. Okay. So we dead ended some of the light switches and and just made them permanently on. Yeah, hardwired them in. Hardwired them in yeah. uh, on three different sides of the house. Yeah, just uh, so anytime someone walks by, then we can turn it off. Correct. Yeah, it'll just light them up. That's right. Yeah. Light them up. You know, it could scare some people off. It yeah. could. It could. And so I think one of the things we we're talking about earlier is that if the house was rented. If if there was it was a chance that someone was there, the probability of someone breaking in goes down tremendously. Oh, it wouldn't have happened, yeah. right? And so the fact that these people were were probably on drugs uh, or not in a good state, uh, it looks like they either woke up or or were bleeding so much that they just had to run and go do something else for themselves and take my shit. But I can't see that anyone was stolen. Now I can't guarantee that because you bought you buy so much stuff inventorying for a new build and a new listing. That I didn't, I couldn't figure out if they actually took anything besides, you know, chargers yeah. or whatever it is, little stuff, right? Probably. Which actually, yeah. Another quick tip here. Yeah. So I actually do. We've been working on this, and we've been operating for a while now, and so yeah. so we have. We're always thinking of new ways to improve, right? Yeah. I think it's a really good strategy to have an inventory of every single item in your home. Yeah. So, and, and a big reason is also for when you have cleaners, right? Yep. So I think it's smart. So what I would, what we do now is we take pictures of the way we want every room staged. Oh, I like it. Because guests are going to move stuff around. Yeah. Guests are going to take this thing there. They're so going to move this chair this so way. So it's a template or a bench. So mark. it's a picture of, yeah. hey, here, here's where everything is. And then it's also a, you also have a description, which you don't need for every cleaner, but um, of everything you have in your home. Yep. You know, how many couches you have, yep. how many armchairs you have, yeah. how many beds you have, you know, and particularly for like kitchens, yep. you know, like how many spoons do you have, how yep. many forks, etc. Some of that stuff's going to disappear over time. Yeah. So what we do is what we call house checks, hmm. which is every, you can kind of figure out how often you want to do this. We usually do this about once every two weeks to a month. It's an inventory. We have somebody go in and inventory the house. Smart. I like it. So they essentially, you know, the biggest things are going through the kitchens. You know, do we have, you know, do we need to replace a glass or two? Yeah. Do we need to replace a coffee cup? Mm-hmm. You know, plates break, bowls yeah. plates. You're not going to always hear about that stuff. Yeah. Or sometimes somebody's just going to take it maybe accidentally or on purpose. Or they or they break into your house. That could happen. Yeah. You know, but even things like a hairdryer, you know, if you have one hairdryer in your house, you want to make sure it's still there, yeah. you know, for the next guest. So... You know, because you're obviously communicating that on your listings, this is what I have, yep. and you want to make sure you actually have it for I, those guests. And so it's it's a nice practice to to have, you need an inventory sheet, and then to do a house check. I mean, once a month seems like, for most people, it's plenty. You're going to miss some guests, obviously, there, but you can get it replenished in a reasonable amount of time. I think it's smart. And, and, and get your make sure your house is the way you designed it yeah, and is still looking the way you designed it and has all the amenities you said you had. I, I think it's smart for two reasons. One, to make sure that you are always reinvesting in your one of your major investments for your life, right? And so, um, and two, it's a way to keep your cleaners accountable. And so if you have a template or a standard and say, hey, I have a visual template of where everything is and what I should have of everything else, it's your job and part of your job description to inform me if this is not up to par. I'm not saying you did it or you're responsible for it, but your job is to be the sounding board slash the front line to making sure that this standard is met for the guests. 
And I think that's smart. I think it's smart on, on both sides of that, that yeah. equation. And definitely if you're using a software, like we, we use Turnover BNB, which is now called Turno. They changed their name. Um, there's actually a I space. I, feel, I don't know how I feel about that name change, but all right. <laughs> there's actually a space in that software where our cleaners interact with us. Okay. So that's where our pictures are. Yep. That's where our check cleaning checklists are. Mm-hmm. That's where they get paid. Yeah. And that's where they clock in and clock out. And there's also a component in that app where any information they have, like, hey, this is broken. Yeah. They communicate to us through that, and then we make the repair. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or, you know, hey, there's two broken plates. Yeah. We make sure we get two new plates in there. So it's kind of a nice, like, location. Yep. A shared location. Yeah. Where... You know, you can engage with your cleaners, or if you just have one property and you can do that over text message, that's totally fine as well. It's funny that these uh, these vandalizers—I don't know what to call them—like burglars or vandalizers, but like didn't seem like they took anything. Well, so they, they're more vandals. Well, it, yeah, it's weird. They made a big is mess. Vandal different than vandalizer? Um, I don't know. A don't, vandal I, is I, a good word. A it, vandal is it? I don't know that. I don't know the, quite the definition. I don't wouldn't say that we're wordsmith uh, savants over here, but. Uh, it was interesting that they did in the IKEA bag. They had like my records that I put there for decor. They had some tools that they dumped out my tool bag. Like they went through all of the cupboards, um, which robbing a stage Airbnb has to be one of the most underwhelming robberies of all time because it's all like basic shit, like like four glasses, four silverware. Like it's all very very basic stuff. They opened up IKEA whiskey glasses and took one of them. They opened up IKEA silverware and took two spoons. Like very random shit I found in the IKEA bag that they they had to take time out of their burglary to go and select into their goodie bag that they're going to take and they didn't even take it. It was so weird. It was such a strange like it's like I'm I'm a, I'm on a murder mystery tour here trying to figure out what state of being were these people in. <laughs> While at the same time trying to deal with my handyman and the police and the, the companies and, and that deal with blood or human specimen of some sort. And so it was, it was definitely an education in, uh, in being a short-term rental operator. And, and I've had cars broken into and have this, a similar feeling like, like, motherfucker, you did what? If I was here, I would not have oh, – anyway, like you go through these range of emotions – but at the end of the day, ta- especially talking it through with my kids, like, hey, we can't control other people making bad decisions. We can only control our reaction to it. We can control ourselves. And you know what? We hope that they get whatever they came for and that they're okay. Like having a, a sense of empathy in the whole thing, like having my kids watch me because my wife was out of town was an interesting dynamic for me because yeah. I'm like, I cannot freak out right now because this is a teachable moment because life happens to us sometimes there's car crashes people die like there's trauma that happens because people are usually desperate people are usually in desperate situations making desperate choices usually making choices out of two bad choices right and so um like having that as the experience in the context made it a really interesting uh week of of problems to solve Especially on the cusp of listing it on Airbnb and getting it rented, like it was definitely uh, uh, anticlimactic. I would say of getting my permit literally like, like three days before and then walking into this thing. But uh, but nonetheless, the window is replaced. Security cameras are installed. Um, we're we'll be finishing cleanup this week, 
and I hope to get online in the next seven, seven to 10 business days. So that was my drama and we've taken 33, 35 minutes into our podcast for that. So break-ins and, and vandalism, but needless to say, like shit's always going to go down because we're dealing with people and people yeah. are going to make poor choices. Like whether they're, they're young or they're on drugs or they're here for a party or they're here for a conference or they're here for a school or they're here because they're working professionals and nurses, like we don't get to pick our renters. To do our best, we need to set proper expectations and hopefully choose wisely along the way. But I mean, could I have stopped people from throwing a brick through my glass pane window? No, no I don't think I could. That being said, if the city of Reading would have given me my, my, my permit sooner, it would have been rented. I don't know. I'm not going to say a yes or no either way. But it, it, but it was entertaining from a podcast perspective at the bare minimum. It was a great teachable <laughs> moment as a father. Um, and it was one of those things where you just kind of go into figure it out mode. You go into what are my options? What is the protocol I need to do? I need to call a handyman. I need to call the police. I need to call X, Y, and Z. Like, and having people that have been there before and having a community of not just investors but of friends and a short-term operators. Like, uh, you know, we brought on Todd, our friend, a few episodes ago that had literally houses burned down. Mm-hmm. And we had, they, we had crack houses in their houses in Kansas City. Like calling friends that have been there before was, uh, was invaluable to the, the range of emotions that you go through as a short-term rental operator. Yeah, I think I told you like – I've had a I've had a, a a unit at a property of mine. The door kicked in mm-hmm. by police officers. Yep, uh, and arrested two of my guests. Solid. It's a great review you know? right there. And, it's and, great, and, great, and great, another great, buddy. Great blueprint for a review. By the sure. Way. Um, another. I mean, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, were totally, the ones that totally. warranted the arrest. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, and another buddy of ours who had you know who's building you know who's remodeling yep. you know building. Uh, an apartment complex and a homeless guy kept kicking in his doors every night every night for how many nights multiple nights <laughs> i don't know how many doors he ended up kicked in yeah i'll let you tell me later i won't i won't throw your name yeah. out here buddy but I, uh, but think... he ended up having to hire yeah. a security team yeah to come and like watch the property for the rest of his build yeah because this homeless guy just kept kicking in his doors Dude, you know, and that's who I called yeah. when my door got that's kicked right. in. I was like, right. "Hey, man, right. how do I repair what do I a kicked-in door? What do like, I do, do I need to replace yeah. the whole frame?" Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. and he came over and we actually replaced it piece by piece. Yep. He was like, "This is the best way to do it." I'm like, "I trust you. Dude. You've got experience." That's right. So it's it just to say, like, like, is this a a, a bad situation that you will remember? You know, totally. just like I remember that one. Yeah. But you're going to have more. Yeah. I mean, I had somebody vomit all over one of my units the other yeah. day. You know? Yeah. Like that. I mean, there's going to be stuff like that that happens yeah. on yeah. a regular basis. And, you know, that's just part of this is this is short-term rental operating. It, it's it's the game that, you're, that we're choosing to play. And if you're going to play a game, you may as well play to win. But to play to win, you have to know the boundaries of the game and the rules of the game. And, and part of the boundaries and the rules are like, hey, shit happens. You know, I, I have a friend that she came in to clean her own Airbnb and, and some their guests had literally taken a knife and stabbed the mattress. Like literally like it was just a mess of, of feathers <laughs> all over the place because they attacked the mattress. That they're in. And she's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like this is like what, like what, what there's unprecedented times that come 
when you allow random strangers to inhabit your space. It's just part of the game. And you have to take it as part of the process. You can't sign up for just the margin, just the performa, just for the, the cash that comes in the bank. Like we're dealing with people, we're selling experience, and you have to sign up for the whole process, not just for the good times. Yeah, that's a good point. And let's segue that because this episode is about um, vandalism, break-ins, but also wedding venues. Love. Love. I don't it's see, about love. I don't see how, how, we can, how we can dovetail two better topics besides <laughs> blood-soaked, you know, glass-filled housing of break-ins and love itself. So how does love, Christian, fit into you and I's experience in short-term rental operating literally in the last 10 days? How does that go? Yeah. Uh, so, so as, as I mentioned, recently bought a new property with our partners and, um, a, a really fun component of this property. Um, it, it is a lodging property, which is what, you know, we do. And so it has seven lodging units, which are currently renting. We did a quick 10 day turn on those, like a big push, but another fun component, which is new to me, mm-hmm is this property um, had a restaurant on site, a working nice. restaurant, a full built-in bar, Very cool. commercial kitchen, and big like uh, backyard patio space nice. with a really amazing view of Mount Shasta. Now, when you, when you bought it, when you walked it for the first time, did you immediately make those connections about its potential? We immediately made the connections about the potential. We didn't know how we would deploy it. Yeah. In which ways, like whether we would actually, they had had a restaurant tour, mm-hmm. previous owners had had a restaurant tour, um, lease it and operate it as a restaurant. Okay. Um, but, but through conversations, we quickly came to the conclusion, you know, we're not restaurant tours. We're not running a restaurant. Although we threw out a few ideas, like what would you do if you could do it? Yeah. Um, just for fun. But you know, that's not our business. That's not what we want to do. Ultimately, we said, hey, we rent space on a short-term basis. So, so I mean, you you basically said, hey, this has all the potential in the world, but what is our core competency? How do we make money? How have we gotten to this par- this far in our, in our journey of short-term rental operating? And so a lot of people, I think, chase opportunity because they chase potential or that even they buy property based off of potential, but they don't count the cost of what it's going to take to get it performing. And they prob- they maybe don't have a, a long enough vision of what how long it will take to perform uh, based off that vision. And so, I mean, it sounds like you guys, you reassessed or, I mean, between you and your three business, your wife and your two business partners, you did you have a conversation about, you know, what is our core competency? What is the best use of this space? Or Absolutely. Do you- Absolutely, both. Yeah. Okay. It's a combination of, 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 as you said, is like, what is the best use of the space? Mm-hmm. What is our core competency? And then what costs are we willing to take on? Yeah. So those, all three of those things come into play. Um, restaurants are a very difficult game in general. Yeah. Right? And, and, and restaurant tours are, you know, fickle, particularly in this market. It's a smaller town. On the outskirts of Mount Shasta, and there's some, there's a couple awesome restaurants in the area, but it's also a smaller population center. It's highly dependent on tourism. It's very seasonal. Yep. Um, and then when you lock in a restaurant tour, you kind of lock in that space. Mm-hmm. 
And one thing that we've been really good at is renting space on a short-term basis. Yep. And so essentially by doing a, you know, a wedding event venue, it's the same concept. It's still renting space on a short-term basis. And then also one thing we said to ourselves from a count the cost standpoint, mm -hmm. said, hey, we're, we're willing to make a push to remodel this space, learn about venue space, figure out what we need the space to, to how to operate it, how it needs to function, how to lay it out, figure out the business model behind it, yep. kind of build that out, figure out how to market that. We're willing to kind of expand mm -hmm. our, our, our area of expertise into that, but we want to stop it there. Yeah. We want to stop it at that, and so we will still rent out the space, but we're not wedding planners. So, we're not caterers. Yeah, we're yeah. not going to do all that stuff. We're going to lease the space, and then someone else can do those things with it. How, how many units did it have? Right, you know, pretty pretty ready to go. So there was, was seven. Ready. It's it's seven lodging units with an occupancy of about twenty six. So se yes, so seven lodging units lodging. that are separate from the restaurant slash bar area, correct? Yeah, so it's all on property. Yeah. Um, but they are separate buildings. Yeah. And there is kind of a separate courtyard area for those. However, they are still connected. And yeah. so it's 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 not the kind of space you could I mean you could theoretically, but we're not going to in actuality. You it's best done where the the venue space is leased with the lodging space. Yeah, I'm just trying, trying to give some color commentary of, of the the seven units that are are available for short term rental. They were pretty turnkey. You did minor updates to a lot of them, but that was different than the main snag in the deal, which had to do with the I believe the bar restaurant area. Correct? Yeah, yeah. So those units were were, were pretty well done. The 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 past owners had remodeled them in like 2017 mm -hmm. and did a really good job. Um, in terms of the bathrooms were dialed really good, like subway tile and hex floor tiles. Nice. Great job on the bathrooms. Uh, they did use a, a great tiler for that. In case you're listening. Um, yeah, whoever you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome reclaimed hardwood floors throughout, good. like good. rad yeah. tongue and groove, cedar ceilings, good. rad. Yep. They did um, a little outdated, but still really stilish, um, uh, van or, um, sorry, um, kitchenettes. Okay. Um, you know, with kind of built-in closets, you know, granite tile countertops, which were out of style, but are kind of coming back into style right now. Give it enough um, time, bro. Give it enough it time. It was enough time. Right. It wasn't in style when they did it, but now uh, your beiges are coming back. All right. Just to let you know, okay. a little, little tidbit. Good, good to know. Good to know. Um, so yeah, coming back into style. And then we did some touch-ups. Like there was a few bathrooms that actually didn't have vanities. So we added three vanities. We added a kitchenette. We put ceiling fans in. Put, the, put in a couple fireplaces. The so we did a couple big things, yeah. but we had the right team in place but the, to but the, pull it off. But the, the, crux, the crux of the deal, I believe, had to do with the, the foundation of the restaurant, correct? Yeah, we did get con some concessions um, on the purchase from some issues that we found in inspection. Okay. And that's, you know, those are just, you know, negotiations you got to do. And, and we ultimately got enough of what we needed. Um, to make the deal work for us. And, and also from context from how, how to parlay investment, you guys went from a, 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 a was it a two-bedroom, two-bedroom, two-bath house in Mount Shasta that you sold? Yeah, originally it was a, when we bought it, it was a, a, a two, one-and-a-half permitted with a unpermitted uh, semi-above-grade basement 
that had another full bath, kitchenette, um, and, and living space that we ultimately got permitted as additional living living square footage. And how long did you own that property for? We owned it for uh, just under two years, just shy of two years. So so, so you didn't have to pay short-term capital gains on it? No, we didn't. So you, you avoided short-term capital gains, and you also were able to do a 1031 exchange, and you parlayed that investment of a two-bedroom house into what now is your is your lodge? It's a, it's a seven-unit, um, seven-cabin lodge with a you know, 3,500 square foot venue. So as far as far as building portfolios go, you definitely leveled up with this sure. investment, right? Absolutely. And so, uh, so I think part of, you know, the love part of this episode is, you know, you, if you cut your property in half, half of it is short-term rental operation. You know how to do that. You also bought half of a business, which is not short-term rental operation. What is it and how are you going to optimize this investment? Well, I would still consider it short-term rental operation. All right, I'm I'm open. I'm open. I'm all ears. So, and 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 one thing that that made this deal work for us was when when I actually ran the numbers on the pro forma. Okay. It pencils with just the lodging, which which is the saving grace of all of it because. Screw the screw the restaurant, screw the bar, screw the uh, the the alcohol license itself. It doesn't matter at that point. But you also have the two bonuses of the bar, restaurant itself, and the RV spaces that are on the property. Correct? There's no existing RV spaces. Oh, there's not. Not but yet. There, but there's room. There's for potential. It. Okay, got it. There's potential. Okay. So so the nice thing about it was you know as a short term rental lodging operator, mm-hmm. I you know, can look at the pro forma and say, hey, with the purchase price, with the remodel costs, we can make this thing pencil and cash flow positive, a reasonable amount that we feel comfortable with just based on the lodging. And and it does really well just based on lodging. And so we we kind of saw from the beginning um, that the venue component of it was bonus. Now, do we have high hopes and high belief in the venue? Absolutely. So and we think we can make it. We probably wouldn't have bought it if we didn't, but we knew that it still worked without it. So, so the the, the so you're calling it a wed, a wedding venue. We call it a venue. It's primarily at this point the direction we're taking is primarily for weddings. However, this location is also an awesome retreat. Yep family reunion buyout. Yep. So what we do, what we're doing is this is kind of a, a more of a, a modern take on weddings. When somebody has a wedding, it's people often really like to have lodging on site for a portion of the wedding party. Yep. Right. And so we can sleep 26 people on site. The town of McLeod where we're located could sleep 200. Okay. So if you had a big wedding, you could sleep everywhere in McLeod. And then between us and our partners, we could sleep another, you know, probably 70 people okay. between our other lodges, All right. right? Yep. So we could sleep, you know, a good, you know, between McLeod and our lodges, a good 300 people, okay. right? So um, there's plenty of plenty of places to sleep, and so, but you get the lodge buyout as part of the base, and then you rent the venue. The venue is included in that. Yeah. So if you want to have a public event, there's a venue fee. 
And so that's also great for retreats. Yeah. Or for family reunions. And so we're going to use it for all of those things. Um, How how much experience do you have in the the, uh, event planning and and wedding planning uh, area? None. So I only only asked this because I just had a, a conversation on my road trip through Arizona with my oldest daughter, who's 11, and who is very talented at event planning. Luna, I don't think you'll ever listen to this podcast, so I have very little, you know, it's not a problem. But this idea of the first thing you did was you under-promised, and you underpromised your own performa to insulate yourself from economic conditions. And so this is something, a call out too, is that I've heard from another one of your business partners in the last like two weeks that the, time, the, the winter has been lean in Mount Shasta. But your other, other partners said, you know, verbatim, based off Christian's performance, it's paying for itself. It's performing based off the projections that Christian did. And this goes into under-promise and over-deliver when it comes to an inve- any investment that you do. And so making it profitable based off the bare minimum economic conditions that you do, is, I think is important for any, any good investment that you go into, let alone whether it has potential. Now, potential... You can shit in one hand and, and, and wish in the other. But like, perf- like potential is only good as the execution. Like there's strategy and there's execution. Yeah. Stra- you know, strategy is important. Execution, though, is where the money is made. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's been a fun ride. And, and it's great that we, you know, we turn the lodging units. It's been a really good winter. Ten days. You did it in ten days. Ten days. Like a baller. Ten days. Ten days. We, well, but that's also, too, you did it in ten days – because you knew yourself, you had the crews, you had the expertise, you had the experience of doing it a half a dozen times before this. You knew what it was going to take, and you knew setting the expectation for yourself that 10 days was realistic. I don't, I can't set 10 days expectation for myself because I have never done this before, right? No, but we had, yeah, this team was unique yeah. in the fact that it was me and Josh yep. on the build side. Okay. So this is a partnership between a, a, a licensed contractor of decades worth of experience having his own crew having his own experience having his own yeah. point of view and perspective right so when when i do a remodel i'm an owner builder you right you bust it out because you're a you're, you're a badass and you're gonna get it done in the timeline but it's mostly you yeah but but this is this is josh's profession yep, yep. right so josh by handling the construction components and he had all of his subs, which are way more committed to him than they are to me. And, and uh, it was a bonus that Josh has another project in Mount Shasta, which is five miles away from McLeod, that he's renovate has renovated recently, and it was on the tail end of a build that you're currently building out, right? Absolutely. That yeah. was very helpful yeah. to you. And then I could focus my whole attention on the units individually. Yeah. And so I focused on other things that I focus on anyway on a project, like getting all the furnishing dialed. I did all the inventories. You know, I was kind of walking through each unit, unit by unit, making sure everything was staged the way we wanted it, um, getting all the pictures ordered, getting all the listings built. So I could focus on that part of the build. Yeah. And then Holly and April, who are also on our team, had their own components they were running. And so me and Josh could really just focus in and hone on this 10 day build which it was a heavy lift like there's no doubt about it it was a heavy 10 days but we got through it got those renting and then we could kind of take a step back yeah and now since then we've been working on the venue but a little bit at a more manageable pace yeah but i'm always game for that i'm always game for a quick push 
if it's like, hey, we're making no money today, yeah. but if we can get this turned in 10 days, and we've been crushing it since then. I mean, the snow's been dumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, our units have been largely booked yeah, yeah. since then. For and sure. so it's a great, like, it, it was an incentive to be like, like, I want to go up there and stay tomorrow night. We can't. It's which, booked. Which, I mean, you know? You, you know, you and I are both a sucker for a challenge, too, right? And you got to know yourself enough to be like, yeah, I got the next six days ahead of me where I can bust out all the things I need to do. Totally. Like, it, like that is a idiosyncrasy of knowing yourself. Of knowing what you can handle, and also too of like you timed it in a way where you pre-gamed your subs to where you are down to literally like twelve hours worth of hey we close escrow. It was lined up. Josh like, had it like, all lined like, up. Like you killed it. You killed yeah. the game because you you'd been there before and you had all the resources needed, and it was like I felt like you got you were coordinating this dance. Yeah, I would definitely not recommend that to the first timer but once you get things set up and you've got systems in place you can i mean and we we had a longer hold period yeah built in our pro forma but we're like hey if we can turn it in 10 let's turn it in 10 well if you've proven it to yourself that you know your own capabilities and and potential about like what you can do as christian taylor and then you add you had Josh's not just expertise, but also his team, which is a resource boost. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you can add that and and be exponentially more efficient and effective, which sure. is the game. The game is about be how do I become the the highest amount of effectiveness and efficiency to turn a liability into an asset. Absolutely. That's a great point. So anyway, it's been really fun. We got the units turned. I got to bounce here in a minute. Talk to me about love, bro. But, Talk about but, love. We went yeah. to the Reading Bridal Show, which is this regional yeah, you know, wedding show here at the Civic Center. And we teamed up with Discover Siskiyou, which is the Siskiyou kind of nonprofit arm of promoting tourism Come in on. Siskiyou. So when we, when we have a, a TOT tax, right? Um, TOT is – and then you also have the TMBID tax. It's mm-hmm. a 2% tax. Yep. So Siskiyou County has that as well. And that 2% of all short-term rentals, you know, hotels, short-term rentals goes to this organization that promotes tourism. Yep. It's called the TBID is what it's called in Mount Shasta. And it goes to this organization called Discover Siskiyou that essentially promotes Siskiyou County. So we teamed up with them. We had a booth at the uh, Reading Bridal Show. We gave away two nights stay they gave away two nights stay at our lodge we also gave away a free venue fee for a wedding at our lodge did you so we book, had, did you book your first wedding no uh, okay. we, but right. we had hundreds of brides come through and we now have all their email addresses awesome. for hundreds of brides awesome. looking for venues awesome. and so yeah we're going to be putting together an email that was the big win that we are going to be you know selling this to them uh, who are looking for a wedding venue in this area over the next couple of years. So so when it comes to selling, by the way, you're, I mean, we're always selling. We're selling ourselves. We're selling our property. We're selling our brand, whatever it is. Like getting getting access to an email address or a cell phone number is the first sale. Like there's two sales. There's, there's getting a meeting and there's closing the deal, right? Getting access to a person in the form of a direct communication, text communication, mm-hmm. or a phone call, Zoom, or in person, ideally in person, you're in their space would be the most ideal because you can learn the most about them. That is the first sale that you you will ever make, because if you can establish a personal connection with them and you can understand their values, 
you can become a value generator. We've talked about this in the past. But in any sales, it's actually just this lobbying for value, right? And so you have how many dozens and dozens of brides email addresses? You have a gold mine full of potential that you get to go mine for for weeks or months or however you need to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just the brides themselves. Those brides know five other potential brides. And sure. so it's a force multiplier for what could be the potential of what do you, I don't know it's not just a wedding venue it's an event it's an event business that you are are carving out of this investment that you're doing that doesn't yet include the RV revenue of the entirety of the property itself right so it's, how do you look at it? do you look at it as a short term rental is one and then option B short term rental plus event and when the event could be wedding, reunion, X, Y, or Z, like how do you envision, do you separate those in your mind? How does it work? It's, it's a, they build upon each other. So I can rent the seven units individually, right? And so each one has a price point based off the seasonality. How, how, how far in advance are you already booked? Mm. Oh, already booked? Not far out. I mean, a lot of short-term rentals these days, um, Particularly because supply's gone up. Yep. Right? And even just the, the it's just become uh, the uh, booking booking to date has gone down. So in, in some markets, and depending on the time of year, people will start to book further out. But particularly this time of year, it's usually within the, la- the next month. Okay. And for the most part, in the next two weeks. Okay. Um, but if there's a big weekend out there yeah. or a big holiday, people will start to book out a little bit further in advance. Once you get into the summer months where there's more demand and people are planning out their summers, people will start to book out a little bit further. Okay. You know, do we have bookings out into the summer? Sure, we got some, but it's not like filled up. Yeah. Um, and so so I look at, you know, I do well. I do I do really well if all those bookings just book out individually. However, the way I price my what I call lodge buyouts, mm-hmm. so I got two lodges. And if you do a lodge buyout, meaning you book the entire lodge, but you also get the communal spaces yeah. as part of that, which would be the venue, the commercial kitchen, the built-in mm-hmm. bar, yep. I upsell that. So it's about 50% higher yeah. to buy out the entire lodge than if you're just buying out the individual units. And then if you're going to have an event, meaning you're inviting people who aren't staying at the lodge yeah, based off whatever the capacity is of the lodge. So my Shasta View Lodge is 26. My mm-hmm. Base Camp Lodge is 33. Mm-hmm. So if you want to add more people via having a wedding, which is the predominant usage, or maybe you just want to have a party, like a, a you know grandma's 90th birthday party. 40th birthday party, reunion, whatever. Sure. But you want to invite somebody else, then we charge an additional event fee. Perfect. So it kind of is this stages is, of upselling Which is it. all margin, right? It's all margin. Yeah, okay. Upselling it up, and your cleaning fee goes up based off what you're getting. Yeah. You know, in order to make sure we cover our costs, we're not losing money on that side of things. Yep. Cleaning fee is just a, a wash, yep. essentially, for mm-hmm. me. But I don't want to lose money on cleaning. Yeah. You know? And so essentially, it just goes up and up from that. And so I love the lodge buyouts. Mm-hmm. I love the family reunions. I love... I love the guiding trips yep. that want to book it. You know, a fly fishing group books it, or a climbing yep. group books it, or you know, a yoga you know retreat. Books Give it to it. me. Like, Give it to me. Yeah, I love all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's actually better than weddings. Yeah, because weddings are a little rowdy. 
They are rowdy. Yogis? Yeah. Very meditative. Less drinking, Oof. more meditation. Yeah, maybe some Weddings, a little more vomit. That's true. You gotta be ready for That's a little true. more vomit. That's true. I like this. But, so... so pro tip. <laughs> there's a pro tip. Yoga. Yoga. <laughs> Go yoga. Yoga's where it's at. Pilates. Um, but... But I'll still take the wedding. Yeah. You know, and I like the buyout because of the markup. And so we've got some unique properties. And so that's kind of how we look at it. Like, ultimately, I'm trying to buy out the lodge. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to have an event at our space, you have to buy it out. I like it. For two nights. I I like it. And people, I mean, that's, that's a very equitable value exchange, by the way, right? Because it's not just a single room experience of two people, two or three, I don't know. I don't want to judge, right? But, I mean, you're talking about creating, you know, you're outsourcing the curation of the event and the experience to somebody else, a wedding planner, a bride, a yogi, whatever it is. Like, you're outsourcing that to somebody else. You just get to become the venue itself. You become the canvas. You can paint whatever the fuck you want on that canvas, right? It doesn't matter to me. You're on a you're on a you're on a fu binger today. I am, dude. I'm in it. I'm in it. You know what? You know what? I'll give it to you. You fit your quota. I've hit my quota, and I've also you know what I missed that. I've been I've been (laughs) I've been vandalized and broken into. In the, to enough to actually go off on my quota, all right? That's where I'm at right now, okay? Yeah. But, I mean, you, what you've done is you, you've, you've, uh, you've pushed into the boundaries of your own capacity where you've been uh, – initially you were just single family, single family turning one doors into two. And then you kind of ventured out in kind of this concentric circle into what does micro hotels look like? What do craft hipster hotels look like? What could, what could that be? What experience could that be? And now you're kind of at this third kind of tier of what is it? What what would an event look like at a destination? And I was thinking about it as I was listening to you. This idea of a destination wedding, uh, a destication. That, that's the term. That's, that's, de- that's fun. Destication. I've never heard right? that. I, I, well, I just made it up you right just made now. It up? I just made it up right now. Right? <laughs> a destication. All right. A destication. Dude, so, you better buy that real quick. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm a big. I'm a big URL buyer. Right? Yeah. Hit and that. so and so and so like you, you, you like you have a destination wedding, but it's a destination vacation, right? It's a destination. You're like, yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna stay in in McLeod because what is that close to? That's close to Lake Siskiyou. What's 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 close to that? Castle Lake, which is amazing, which is an amazing lake and cliff jumping and hiking next to it. What is that next to? Oh, you're only 20 minutes away from Mount Shasta itself. Like you're you're close to so much, and you get to kind of base camp it, the experience itself out, which we see Airbnb doing with experiences in a way, sure. right? Curating experiences, but you you do it in a way that once you say, hey, come up to Northern California. But let me let me explain to you the value of Northern California. It's not just McLeod in my place, but it's hey, when you well, yeah yeah, you're gonna have a great ceremony. You're gonna you're gonna be married when you wake up on your on your morning of your wedding night. You're gonna open your door and have coffee or espresso or whatever you're gonna have and see a view of Mount Shasta, and you're gonna experience something you're gonna experience nowhere else in the world. This is a unique thing that that you know what you don't care what the price is. You don't care what the experience costs. This has to do with the rest of your life and the memories you're building. Like you get to craft the story around your like your own investment. And this is something that you get to push into too, as well as like it's not single family, it's not craft hotels, it's not event menu, it's not what's next. I think is RV or alt alt experiences outside of that. Yeah. Like you're you're pushing into 
how do I maximize my investment, but in a way that is outside the bounds of a lot of the constraints that you found yourself in in single family, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, ultimately we're excited about it and, and we like the, you know, essentially kind of to wrap it up, it's, it's renting space on a nightly basis. We're trying to clearly keep ourselves in the rental of space yeah. side of the business. We don't want to get into catering, wedding planning. Yeah. You know, e- you- even we're at this point, we're not renting gear like chairs and tables and but dishes. You, we could. We could have preferred catering partners. Yeah, we, we deal, absolutely right? are going to have preferred vendors yep. and, and hopefully make some deals with them to get some cuts yep. on those deals. Um, if we bring them business, we'll work that out. But yeah, we're learning. Like this is like I say this as a as a as a newbie. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a new world for me. You know, if you've got any tips for me, bring them I'm on. open. Bring them on. Yeah, we've been bringing in consultants and talking to different people about our space and how to set up our operations. So this first this first year to two years is going to be a lot of learning and adapting, and and I might be singing a very different tale in a couple of years. But we're really excited about it. It's kind of a new venture. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of like we said, like it's it's really important to know that if you are going to branch out and do something different, make sure it make sure it pencils with your area of expertise. How 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 clutch or how key was you expanding out of your comfort zone with a team? It makes it a lot of an, a much easier lift. Yeah. I would say that. I mean, one thing I've really enjoyed about this project, there's been a lot to this project. It's been a big purchase. You know, it was a 1031 exchange. So there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes there and finding deals. Mm-hmm. This deal was a lot of negotiations. Uh, you know, it was buying a business yeah. as well as mm-hmm. just a property. So there's a lot of components to work through on that front. Um, you know, in our team on, on this deal with this group, this LLC, like I love this team. We, we're, we're really diverse. Yeah. And so we all have different areas of, of kind of expertise and focus and yeah. kind of each run our own departments, mm-hmm. which is really helpful. Yeah. Um, that we are all are very competent in those areas and can kind of, you know, trust the other to do their job. Yeah. And so you don't have to do the whole lift. You get to do a quarter of the lift. So, um, so that's been really helpful on the, on this size. Yeah. Um, you know, could you do it? Would it take longer? Would it be more stress? You know, if it was just you, absolutely you could. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I've enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's that's an interesting topic. You know, I know we, we've promised to talk about partnerships at some point. I think we should. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic. You could go really deep into that. I, I think so. And, and, you know, our spouses and partners, you know, they have their yeah, own spouses are our natural partners. They, 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 they have their own gift mix, right? Yeah. And, and are at their, and, you know, I'll speak for myself. Are there times that I wish my partner had different skills, a good, different gift mix than they have? Probably. I wish they were, you know, this idea of like, CFO looking at, but, but the other is, is like our, our partners are extremely valuable in discerning what needs to happen. Like they're a totally different gift mix, which actually makes us more effective. And we're going to actually have episodes very, very soon. I, I think of bringing on our, our, our partners and hearing their perspective of our journey, which will be really Meaning interesting. Meaning our spouses. Being our spouses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Who are also our de facto business partners. De facto. hundred percent of our deals. For sure. sure. What I mean, no prenup, baby. 
50-50. I'm no Let, prenup. Let's go, baby. Let's go. We in. So so to end this episode, <laughs> so you were... <laughs> We've gone from break-ins <laughs> for, for, to weddings. That's right. To no prenup. To no prenup. No prenup. <laughs> so so here, this is how we're going to end this episode. You, so a couple days ago, you were at the, the Reading Wedding Trade Show. What was it called? Reading Bridal Show. Reading Bridal Show. You were you were doing booth work, and I love booth work. By the way, oh, as, as, as a sales guy, I fifteen not. years, I hate it. <laughs> it, it. It is it is like nothing else. Where you have literally nine to fifteen seconds to to grab my attention and pull me in and give me your value proposition right now. I'll I'll, I'll give you a pass fail on whether I'm in or out. I love it. It's it's uh, it's this wonderful unique thing. What is your Sales pitch for your wedding venue that you use at the Reading Bridal Shower to get people to get interested in your investment. I'll give you my 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 ten second pitch. Go. We've got vacation rental cabins and a venue at the base of the most stunning mountain in California, Mount Shasta. So if, if that's interesting to you and you're looking to have a destination wedding anywhere in the country or world, really, I mean, we're not, you know, we don't want to discriminate against where you're we're located and listening to this podcast. You are welcome to, uh, to, to, to join us and or come up and, and stay in this pristine and highly curated experience. Uh, what's your name of your, your Shasta View Lodge. Shasta View Lodge. And that's where we're going to end today's episode. <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening. Booking confirm. What episode are we on? Episode 14. We're rounding out. Christian, anything else you want to share to our audience? No, it was a great end. Love you, Dennis. All right, guys. Be, back. be good. Be good to yourself. Be good to one another. We'll talk to you later. Booking confirmed. We are out. See ya.